You are listening to Gone But Never Forgotten. Our topics can include, but are not limited to, murder, sexual assault, graphic and gruesome details, and more. These topics are adult in nature and are not meant for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. One of the things that people complain about most within legal systems in their countries are the delays in the legal processes that are brought on by endless paper pushing, endless hurdles, and what seems to amount to mindless defense in order to keep some of the worst criminals from the worst charges possible for the crimes that they have committed. Two of the defenses that are very contentious depending on who you ask are the defenses to try and keep criminals out of jail or on lighter sentences because of mental health issues or because of drug or alcohol abuse. This week, we are talking about a story where the culprit certainly had both in her past, but the jury ruled ultimately that her past substance and mental health issues should not keep her from being held responsible for the disgusting acts that she committed against a man that she said that she loved. Hello, and welcome to episode 95 of Gone But Never Forgotten, Murder, Dismemberment, and Total Disregard for Someone She Loved, The Murder of Shad Therion by Taylor Shabiznis. Shad Rock Therian was born on September 7, 1997, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, to his parents Tara Pakanich and Michael Therian. Shad would be remembered by his friends and family as a hard-working man who worked in the family business doing landscaping work with his father and his grandfather. Everyone also said that Shad was the type of person who would always put everyone else before himself. He was an incredibly caring and giving person. Shad enjoyed camping, hunting, fishing, playing any kind of games, and most of all, he enjoyed being around and spending time with his family. Shad was also a very talented artist, and he really enjoyed wood carving. Shad was seemingly close with his entire family. He had two sisters, Ava Wheelock and Sylvia Sunray Therion, and one brother, Bo Smith. At the time of his murder, Shad was 25 years old, and he was living with his mom and her boyfriend in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Growing up in Green Bay, Shad would make friends, reportedly as far back as middle school, with a girl named Taylor Coronado. 
Taylor Denise Coronado was born on November 11th of 1997 to her parents, Maria and Arturo Coronado. She grew up in Green Bay, and according to her Facebook page, she was a cashier at Walmart, and she loved music, horror movies, and she was also a self-professed fan of serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer. Taylor had a lot of tough incidents happen in her early life, Her mom passed away when Taylor was only 11, and she also lost her only other sibling not long before the incidents that we're about to discuss to a motorcycle accident. What was left behind was just Taylor and her father. Arturo would remarry after the loss of his wife, but that marriage would fall apart when allegations came out that Arturo had raped a minor that was in his care. Arturo would actually be found guilty of second-degree assault of a child, which is the charge in Wisconsin for sexual contact or intercourse with a person who is not 16 years of age or older. He is currently serving a 12-year sentence for that charge. Unfortunately, a rough family life was not the only way that Taylor was facing an uphill battle. She also struggled with mental health and substance abuse issues for most of her life. Taylor had been diagnosed and treated since the 7th grade for bipolar disease, which was around the same time of her life that her mom passed away. In 2020, on Valentine's Day, Taylor would get married to a man named Warren Shabiznes, And they also have a son together, who is presently living with his grandparents in Texas. The reason for that, at least partially, is because Warren is currently serving jail time on federal drug charges, and as we're about to talk about, Taylor is also in prison. Warren was found at a traffic stop to have 46 grams of methamphetamine on him. So, as you can see, Taylor's life was surrounded by people who had criminal records, it seems, for most of her life, including her father and her husband. One thing that I try to remember in my life is that the people that you spend most of your time with are the people that wind up being a compass to some extent in your life, And for Taylor, it seems that she fell much into that pattern and path in life. Her legal problems all seemingly began right after she met Warren. Taylor's first felony arrest happened on June 21st of 2020, when she was confronted in the street by an officer who had reportedly been called to do a welfare check because Taylor had been knocking on a man's door and was very clearly under the influence of something. When the officer approached her at first, Taylor reportedly asked the officer why she had to stop and listen to him. When a second officer attended the scene, things would get violent, as Taylor reportedly kicked the second officer and tried to kick the first officer when they stopped her numerous times from aimlessly walking into the street and into traffic. She would be charged with resisting arrest and battery on a member of law enforcement. Taylor would plead no contest to the charge, and she was placed on probation for three years, and she was also told that she needed to undergo a psychological evaluation. 
Only two months after that, Taylor would reportedly lead an officer on a high-speed chase after he tried to pull her vehicle over. She put many members of the public in harm's way and drove very recklessly, at one point nearly hitting a biker that was also on the road. The officers were forced to attempt a pit maneuver, which, if you're unaware, is a maneuver that is used by officers when they're dealing with a fleeing vehicle. The maneuver causes the fleeing vehicle to turn sideways abruptly and hopefully lose control of the vehicle and stop. Taylor, however, managed to avoid this pit maneuver, and she continued driving and went to the parking lot at her father's apartment, and she was apprehended when she left the vehicle. When attending vehicles searched her car after the fact, allegedly they found drugs and paraphernalia inside of the car. In this instance, Taylor would plead no contest, again, to the charges of fleeing and obstructing an officer. This time, she would receive two years of probation, this in January of 2022, and three months in local jail for bail jumping on her previous charges. The local jail sentence would be reduced, though, to house arrest, which is why she was not in jail for what happened next. While Taylor and Shad had been friends for a long time at this point, it is not reported how long they were sexually involved with one another. I was not able to find out if this was a new development with Warren in jail, or if this was something that had been going on for a long time. Regardless, though, Taylor and Shad would get together on February 21st of 2022, around 9.30pm when Shad was picked up from his mom's home by Taylor. The two of them would meet up with another friend, and the three of them would spend the early part of the night doing drugs together. It was reported that all three of them had smoked cannabis, but Taylor would say in her interrogation that Shad had also smoked methamphetamine and injected trazodone at the apartment after the friend left. She also would later admit that she had also done methamphetamine and trazodone as well. Obviously, all of that is up to interpretation because of the source of that information. Taylor and Shad, though, would then return to Shad's home where they were alone because Shad's mom and her boyfriend were not at home. From there, the couple went downstairs into the basement and they started to engage in intercourse. The couple had involved asphyxiation or choking in their sexual intercourse many times in the past, allegedly, and this time they had decided to use metal chains to choke one another. Allegedly, Shad climbed onto the bed and in a face-down position, and that was how Taylor was supposed to choke him from behind. However, that is reportedly when Taylor lost it, and she started to choke him harder and longer. She choked him to the point that he was turning purple, and he was choking up blood, but she did not stop, and that is how she killed Shad. This week's show is brought to you in part by Reality Times 2 which is a podcast by two fiery Jamaican women who love to dish on the reality TV shows that are current. 
and they love to dish on the people that they love and the people that they hate. Presently, they are dishing on 90 Day Fiance in all of its iterations, including before the 90 days, the other way, the last resort, and 90 Day Fiance UK. They will also have all the dirt on Love is Blind after the altar, Bachelor in Paradise, Golden Bachelor, and so much more. If you are loving and hating those people on your favorite reality show, you can almost guarantee that Tanika and Ava will be loving and hating them too. Check out Reality Times 2 wherever you take in your podcasts. That is R-E-A-L-I-T-E-A Times 2. And listen to Tanika and Ava as they spill all the tea. Taylor would tell police that she continued to have sexual intercourse and oral sex with Shad after she knew that he was dead because she found herself to be incredibly aroused. The following morning, she used knives that she found in the kitchen of the home to dismember Shad's body. Taylor not only dismembered Shad's body, but she also removed most of his internal organs as well. Parts of his body were put into plastic bags, storage containers, cardboard boxes, and even a crockpot that was inside of a van in the garage. Essentially, she dismembered this young man and placed parts of him in whatever she could find around her in that basement. The following morning, around 2.30 a.m., Shad's mom said that she woke up because there was a knock at her front door. She said that she went down to the basement to see if Shad was home, and when she was looking, she came across what she believed to be a human head inside of a bucket covered by a shower towel. Her boyfriend, Steve Hendricks, would then call 911. The officers would attend to the scene and be told of the belief that there was a human head inside of the bucket downstairs. Body cam footage would be shown at the trial from the body of Green Bay Police Officer Alex Wanish. At the trial, he would also say, quote, I went downstairs. At the bottom of the stairs, to the right, there was a green bucket with a shower towel on top of it. Just to verify we had an actual head in the bucket, I lifted the towel off, and there was, in fact, a human severed head in the bucket. Unquote. As I mentioned earlier, parts of Shad's body had been strewn out across the house, and Taylor would even seemingly take joy in telling the investigators later that she wished them luck, and they would have fun trying to find all of Shad's organs. Shad's feet had also been removed from his body and shoved inside of his chest cavity. After speaking to Shad's mom, police were able to locate Taylor, who had removed her GPS tracker from her ankle as well. Taylor was located in her minivan, and her clothing was still covered in blood. She was arrested immediately and charged with murder, mutilation of a corpse, and third-degree sexual assault on March 1st of 2022. Originally, when being questioned, Taylor would tell investigators that she had blacked out 
when she started to choke Shad and that she didn't remember the incident at all. Later, though, she changed her story and said that she did regain consciousness, but she thought to herself that since she had already come this far and that he was almost dead, she might as well finish killing him. She said that she believed that she had choked Shad for between three and five minutes before he died. She even said that when he started to choke up blood, she kept choking and choking even harder because she wanted to see what would happen next. She also made it abundantly clear to investigators that she had enjoyed choking the life out of Chad and even had the gall to ask investigators if they knew what it was like to love something or someone so much that you kill it. Taylor would even tell investigators that she had intended to take all of Shad's body parts with her and to keep them, but in the end, she had been too lazy to do that. Even more repulsively, Taylor allegedly had saved the blood from Shad's body as she committed indignities, and she had showered in the blood in the shower after everything that she had done. Investigators would also uncover that aforementioned love for Jeffrey Dahmer in Taylor's search history. One of the things that she had searched for on Google in the days leading up to the murder was, quote, Jeffrey Dahmer walking into court all sexy, unquote. Leading up to the trial, and for obvious reasons, I suppose, Taylor and her legal team would try numerous times to enter not guilty pleas for reason of insanity, but investigators pushed on because they believed that her actions and the horrifying evidence that they had compiled showed that there was indeed premeditation involved in this murder. They did not believe that this was the result of a break of some kind. On February 14th of 2023, Taylor and her lawyer Quinn Jolly were in court again to request for her trial date to be moved back because they needed more time to determine Taylor's competency to stand trial. Shockingly, in front of everyone in court that day, Taylor attacked Quinn, and then she would continue to fight with a deputy that rushed to the scene to attempt to subdue her. Ten minutes after that attack, Quinn said that he was going to file a motion to be removed from the case, and he would be replaced later by Christopher Froelich on March 3rd of 2023. One of the first motions that Froelich put forward was a request that Judge Walsh remove himself from the trial, because Froelich said that having witnessed that attack could influence the judge's ruling. Judge Walsh, however, declined to remove himself. During the trial, it was widely reported that Taylor would smirk and even smile at certain points during testimony or when evidence was introduced. Medical examiner Dr. Vincent Tranchita would state at trial, quote, We have decapitation. We have dismemberment. We have transection of the torso. Subsequently, internally, the body has been eviscerated. In other words, we have entered inside the body through various cuts through the abdomen and between the ribs where the victim's organs have been removed, largely one by one, unquote. That is absolutely haunting and probably too descriptive, but 
Certainly, that explanation alone seems to point out that Taylor had some kind of idea what she was doing and that this was not simply an impulsive act. In the end, after all of the evidence and testimony, the jury would leave for just more than one half hour before they returned to the courtroom with a guilty verdict. The guilty verdict will carry, at most, a life sentence because the death penalty is not legal in Wisconsin. The jury would then be told that they needed to leave the courtroom again to decide whether they believed that Taylor was mentally ill at the time that she committed the murder of Shad Therion. This time again, the jury would take less than an hour to determine that no, they did not believe that Taylor was mentally ill at the time, and thus she needed to be convicted for her crime. Sentencing for Taylor Shabiznis is set for September 26th of 2023, just under one month from when this episode is being recorded. And as such, obviously, as of this recording, she has not been sentenced. This is another terrifying story of what can happen in the world, for sure. This time we have a case of two people who certainly had some sort of feelings for one another and had for a long, long time. They had reportedly tried asphyxiation before, and there certainly seemed to be consent given up to the point of choking. And then, who knows? The investigators certainly seemed to believe that there were elements of planning to this murder, and of course, you cannot ignore the obsession with Dahmer, neither, in this case, and in how things played out. It is really awful when you realize then when it comes to murder and when it comes to all of these heinous crimes no relationship is sacred this happens in nearly every situation if not every situation i'm not sure that i will ever forget the first time that i read that she asked investigators if they knew what it was like to kill something or someone that they loved that that is a thing that nobody should ever consider as far as I'm concerned, obviously. Does does that make me normal? Uh, hopefully that doesn't make me abnormal, and that statement coming from Taylor is the crazy statement. We seem to come up with similar questions to the one that I pose today far too often, but how do you feel about this case? Do you think that this is a woman who, over the years, planned this situation out in her head? Or do you think that she snapped in the moment because of mental health or some other reason? More importantly, does the answer to that question change anything for you? For me, I really don't think it does. I'm finding more and more that I'm of the belief that a crime is a crime. Therefore, a killer is a killer and a victim is a victim. I believe that if you commit a crime, then nothing else should matter. Everyone should face the same repercussions, the same ramifications, and the same punishments for their crimes, regardless of what the reason was that the crime was committed. What say you? Hop on over to our socials and chime in. Also, join the conversation with us on Patreon. Last week we added a new patron to the show, and I'm always flattered when people are willing to part with any of their money in the climate that we're living in today. 
If you want to support the show in any way, ignore the higher levels of Patreon for now. For less than a cup of coffee every single month, you can really help me to cover the costs of everything for the show, and also we can have an open place to discuss things without wondering about social media bans or silly things like that. I don't think that I have anything else to add, so I will close like I always do, with a plea for you to reach out and report anything that you know or may know about crimes so that we can get the bad people off the streets, and of course my biggest plea to each and every one of you listening, please endeavor to always be better. Thank you for listening to Gone But Never Forgotten. See you next time.